Hello and welcome to this edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast. I'm Isabel Piquet at the ILO in Geneva, and today we are going to talk about gender equality and inclusion, particularly now in these times of COVID. Our guest today is Chidi King, head of the Gender Equality, Diversity and Inclusion branch of the ILO. Hi, Chidi. Hello. We will organize the interview around three main topics. Uh, first, we will discuss the effects of the pandemic on the most vulnerable population. And then we'll look at what exactly the ILO is doing to promote equality and inclusion in the world of work. And uh, then we will talk about the challenges that lie ahead in view of the profound changes that are already taking place in the world of work. So let's start with the pandemic. It seems that once again, Vulnerable populations have paid the price of this crisis. Uh, this has been particularly true for women. Uh, have we really taken a step back, as all the reports uh, seem to indicate? Unfortunately, um, I would have to say yes um, in response to that. Um, all the data and indications that we have show that women have suffered um, disproportionately once again um, as a result of um, both the health and the socioeconomic consequences um, of the pandemic. To give a concrete example, um, we know that um, 4.2% of women's employment was destroyed as a result of the pandemic. This compares with um, 3% um, of men's employment. And this is um, because of a combination of factors. Um, one being that due to this persistent gender-based occupational segregation um, that we have, women were overrepresented in some of the hardest hit sectors um, of the economy. So, for example, in hotel and tourism, in um, textile and garment, global supply chains and other supply chains, um, which were very severely negatively impacted by um, the economic shutdown um, that came as a result of the lockdowns put in place to contain the virus. And of course, we've seen that, um, you know, women are are not a homogeneous group. So women who were faring particularly poorly pre-pandemic linked to discrimination on the grounds of factors such as race, ethnicity, disability, gender identity and sexual orientation. And um, of course, the socioeconomic status have certainly seen their situation deteriorate um, further. All of this points to the really urgent need to tackle these structural barriers that have been in place for so long and that have you know, really hampered um, the goal of achieve- achieving um, gender equality and equity. So it's not only women who have been deeply impacted by the pandemic, also migrant workers who represent 4.7% of the global labor pool, approximately 164 million workers. They they certainly have. And again, um, this is largely because of the structural factors um, that I was pointing to, um, including, um, you know, discrimination in labor markets, including um, what um, we would refer to as decent work deficits. So not having adequate social protection, not having um, secure um, employment, not having a predictable um, income, um, not having access to um, things such as, you know, maternal protection um, and benefits. Uh, Since most migrant workers are found in sectors of the economy with high levels of temporary, informal and unprotected work, including in care work, um, in which many countries are primarily carried out by women, right? And of course, uh, migrant workers are very often um, in a precarious um, situation in relation to their status in a, in a particular country. 
if, for example, um, your work um, permit um, is linked to a particular job and that job disappeared um, during um, the pandemic, and you can see um, very easily how your situation becomes even more precarious and how you may even become stranded because, you know, your situation in the country is no longer regular through, you know, nothing that you have done, but just as a consequence um, of um, an external factor um, such as the pandemic. And yet at the same time, we were seeing just how crucial migrant workers were to, um, to our economies, particularly in industrialized um, economies. Um, we know and we saw during the pandemic that migrant workers are very often the backbone of these economies, working in sectors such as health and care, working as domestic workers, working as you know cleaners, working as um, sanitation, um, providing sanitation um, services, working in food and in food retail. All of those services, which proved to be so essential, or have proven to be so essential um, throughout this this pandemic. Um, see uh, an overrepresentation of migrant workers, and yet, um, you know, they find themselves in some of the most vulnerable um, employment and work situations. So again, this, you know, gives an indication of the urgency to eradicate um, inequalities, um, particularly in our in our macroeconomic um, uh, systems. So the pandemic has really made things worse. So let's see now what can be done. What can we do? So, um, Isabel, maybe I can start by explaining that the ILO is a UN agency. Of course, um, it is unique in the sense that it is the only tripartite um, UN agency bringing together governments, um, workers, employers' organizations and workers' organizations. And these constituents of the ILO come together to um, both um, elaborate policy solutions to um, challenges um, that to be faced in the world of work, and also to put in place um, legal um, frameworks to guide um, our world of work. Uh, the global community has pledged to leave no one behind when adopting the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And it all sounds very commendable, uh, very well, but what is the ILO doing exactly to ensure that? Just before the pandemic hit in 2019, the ILO was celebrating 100 years um, you know, of, um, of the International Labour Conference. And at that conference, there were um, two particular documents that the ILO constituents were working on. One was a centenary declaration, so a forward-looking dec- declaration. What was the future of our world of work going to look like? And of course, at the time, we weren't envisaging that just a year later, um, a global health pandemic with such significant socioeconomic um, fallouts um, was going to uh, be upon us. So the constituents elaborated this centenary um, declaration, um, and part of that was calling for a transformative agenda for gender equality to accelerate, um, you know, the the results, um, which you know have been insufficient to date in this area. And the second um, document or, or set of documents that were adopted, that were worked on, negotiated during this um, particular conference were legal instruments. So it was a legal framework to ensure that we can finally um, start to um, address and put an end to um, violence and harassment um, in the world of work. And of course, this has a particular um, gender dimension, which is reflected in the instruments. And the instruments also recognize that um, vulnerable populations, um, such as those that we've spoken of um, earlier, are particularly 
badly affected um, by violence and harassment um, in our world of work. Coming out of the Centenary Declaration, of course, a year later, we saw the pandemic. So earlier this year, the ILO's constituents, workers, em employers, governments, again adopted um, a global call to action for human-centered um, recovery to the pandemic. And this outlines a comprehensive agenda committing countries to ensuring that their economic and social recovery is fully inclusive, sustainable and resilient, and that it does place gender equality um, at its heart. So, so how can we translate these, uh, you know, goals of gender equality and promoting inclusive and sustainable growth uh, in the day-to-day -day life, in, in the life of, of the businesses, of, of workers? Uh, give me some concrete examples. So the convention that I just talked about is one um, very concrete um, example. Convention 190 and its accompanying recommendations. So that's how the ILO works in terms of setting law. It has... Um, The conventions are binding legal documents once they are adopted and ratified um, by countries and recommendations give supplementary guidance on how the conventions should be implemented. And this is a um, quite an innovative um, convention and it protects all workers irrespective of their contractual status. It also um, you know, protects workers, whether they're working in rural or urban areas, um, whether they are actually job seekers, so whether they're about to enter the, the workforce or haven't quite entered it yet, whether um, they retired um, from the workforce. So it's quite all-encompassing, and it, it really looks at the world of work as being beyond just a physical um, building, for instance, such as an office or factory. It says that, well, you know, pub recognizes that, you know, public spaces can be places of work, particularly for workers in the informal economy. Um, and again, for many women, we know that the informal economy is where um, they are to be found working. Um, so the fact that this convention you know, recognizes the specificities of gender-based violence and harassment and that particular measures need to be taken to address that, um, that it recognizes um, the fact that um, groups vulnerable to discrimination and inequality are likely to be more exposed to violence and harassment, And that, you know, places such as the home, so for instance, where many um, are teleworking or where many may be working as home-based workers, um, indeed in global supply chains, are also part of our world of work and areas um, in which violence and harassment needs um, to be er eradicated, a very concrete step um, towards, um, you know, advancing um, to, towards gender equality, because whilst gender-based violence and harassment in particular continues to exist, we cannot achieve um, gender equality or indeed decent work um, for women. Yes, and it seems that the future that uh, awaits us, uh, that already here, it's not going to make things uh, easier. It, it looks sometimes a little scary uh, because uh, COVID uh, has brought up disruptive changes, but they're by no means the only one we're going to face in the future. Uh, we're talking about remote work or e-commerce or automation. Um, I think they can bring a lot of good changes, but also a lot of challenges. And let's not forget, of course, the looming climate emergency. Absolutely. And was, of course, ensuring just a transition for, for workers. And, you know, if we're not addressing the already existing um, inequalities um, that we all recognize, then these are only going to be further exacerbated by the rapid pace of change. But this is part of what the um, ILO Centenary Declaration 
um, and indeed um, the um, COVID-19 uh, call to action um, are meant to, to address. If we're not confronting these challenges um, head on, if we're not putting in place the right um, frameworks, whether it's the legal frameworks, the policy interventions, um, including enabling um, you know, women, whether it's through their employers' organizations or through their workers' organizations, to have you know, a real voice in crafting um, you know, the way our future world of work um, which is now, it has to be said, you know, the future is really... We're already there. <laughs> exactly, we're already there. If they're not having a real say in crafting um, this world of work, then, you know, um, these challenges certainly are only going to um, persist and, and get worse. And the world of work indeed will get worse for everybody, for, you know, employers and workers um, alike, because where discrimination is embedded, um, everyone ultimately um, suffers. There's a lot of talk, of course, about, you know, remote work. This can bring um, many um, benefits. It can also, you know, bring some risks that we need to be alert to. Um, with women, very often, it's talk, you know, we hear it said that, um, oh, this prov prov provides a wonderful opportunity to balance, you know, um, your work and your family responsibilities, ignoring, of course, that actually um, those family responsibilities are also work unpaid work, granted, but also work. And, you know, the, the toll that this also takes when we don't build in to, you know, our policies, when we don't build in to our, to our workplace planning, and when we don't have a proper dialogue that ensures that issues are addressed um, correctly, that it brings with it all kinds of risks, including psychosocial risks, a higher burden of stress, a higher risk of, you know, um, mental illness and mental breakdowns, um, and so on. Um, and let's not forget that for many, you know, remote working, teleworking is really just not an option because the kinds of um, jobs that um, uh, workers are engaged in do not allow for remote work. Whether it's care workers who have been very much, you know, in the vanguard of addressing the pandemic, whether it's our workers in the informal economy, whether it's our workers in the agricultural sector, you know, who have made sure that we're all able to keep putting food on our table, remote work is just not an option. So ensuring decent work for these workers, ensuring that they have democracy in their places of work, ensuring that they have adequate social protection and labor protections um, is absolutely key. That That's something that doesn't change um, regardless of the rapidly changing nature um, of our world of work. Yeah, we've discovered that machines can discriminate as much or worse than, than people because sometimes uh, algorithms, uh, you know, who can also discriminate against uh, women or minorities uh, in a more, uh, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a way that uh, uh, people already did, but kind of more efficient, terrible. Absolutely. And this is an area that the ILO is certainly turning um, its focus to. We've seen that the biases that already, um, you know, exist um, in our world of work those um, ingrained um, inequalities and, um, you know, discriminatory factors that we've talked about already. Of course, you know, when developing al algorithms, they're quite often built into um, those, um, those algorithms, deepening, um, you know, um, discrimination um, and inequalities. And we've seen this along the lines of race. We've, in particular, we've seen it along the lines um, of gender as well, that, you know, very often when these codes are written, they're written with a particular, um, you know, person in mind, and that person very often tends to be, you know, a white, middle-class male um, person. Yeah, absolutely. 
I'd like to talk with uh, about uh, uh, persons with disabilities. I think we don't talk enough about them generally. Uh, they're 15% of the world population. Uh, they've also been deeply impacted by the pandemic. They already face marginalization um, as well as limitation by public services to reach them. Uh, uh, do you think that the use of technology, uh, particularly teleworking, can offer them uh, new possibilities? Because I, I remember uh, we published an article not so long ago about uh, a person with disability, and he said that uh, thanks to uh, remote work, he had found new uh, opportunities of working. Um, is, is this future of work uh, going to be worse or, or, or better? Uh, or maybe we don't know yet. Well, I think it's certainly, um, you know, technology can be quite instrumental in improving, um, you know, the, the lives um, and particularly the access to labour markets of um, persons with disabilities. Um, teleworking can be a good option um, from, for some persons with um, disabilities, but it's not a panacea and it, 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 it's certainly not the only solution. So those factors that I mentioned earlier, you know, the relating to um, the decent work agenda, again, absolutely critical. And we need to be conscious of issues such as, you know, the need to ensure, just as you would need to if um, the the worker were in uh, an office setting, for, for instance, or factory, again, you would need to ensure that reasonable accommodations or adaptations were in place. So you would need to ensure that, um, you know, a worker um, with a disability working um, from home, teleworking, has um, reasonable, you know, adaptations and accommodations in place to allow them to perform their work safely, securely, um, and and productively. Um, in, we need to be aware of um, some of the risks as well, risk factors um, that might come into play, such as isolation. You know, this can already be aggravated um, for persons with certain types of disabilities. So again, if you're um, teleworking and not um, you know, having daily contact or, um, in an environment with other people, the risks of isolation can worsen. Psychosocial risks, uh, um, again, can be part of um, the fallout um, of that isolation. So um, we need to be alert and conscious and mitigate um, those risks, um, whilst all the while looking at how um, we can make telework a decent work option um, for persons with disabilities. And again, we need to remember that for many developing economies, um, you know, where most um, most persons with disabilities are trying to eke a living in the informal economy, and telework is just not an option. Um, so again, concerted efforts to ensure um, that persons with disabilities are actually part of the socioeconomic response um, and to the health response, um, indeed, of the pandemic, um, are absolutely crucial. Um, and the, the um, ILO's call to action, I think, is, is again, um, you know, geared towards ensuring this. Um, but what we're seeing, unfortunately, is that in most of the data collection efforts that are being made to assess um, the, the impact of the pandemic, we're not seeing data being disaggregated by disability um, yet. So we really do need um, some further concerted efforts um, in this area so that the right um, frameworks, the right policies, the right interventions with the voice of, um, you know, workers with disabilities are actually um, crafted and put in place. So there's still a lot, a lot of work ahead of us. So um, Chidi, thank you very much for your time. Uh, our guest today was uh, Chidi King, head of the Gender Equality, Diversity and Inclusion branch of the ILO. 
Please join us soon for another edition of the ILO Future of Work podcast. Goodbye.